So we have Eric and Bethany Rasmussen on their way to Hawaii. They're going to be sharing with us this morning, sharing their heart. Remember I said there was tissues up, up front here if you need them. Would you just extend your hand to them? Jesus, we thank you for Eric and Bethany. Thank you for their time here. Thank you for the gift they are to us, God. Thank you for their teaching, their worship leading, their groundskeeping, their everything they've poured into this place. God, I pray that you would help us to have hearts ready to receive what they have for us this morning, what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. This is uh, the first time we've ever done anything like this, preaching together, so we'll see how it goes. You know, we were trying to figure out what we're going to do, what each one of us would do when the other one is talking. Like, did we want to use stools? Do we want to both stand? But then one of you kind of just stands awkwardly, like, off in the corner. Or did we want to use one stool and, like, switch? And just, you know, one sits down, the other gets up. But we decided to use two stools. And luckily, Noel, right before... Um, during the greeting time, she gave me one of these, uh, the cool bulletins. So now I actually have something to do while, while Bethany's talking. I can fill out my, my, my children's worship bulletin. I won't be distracting at all. It says it takes seven, seven to 12 years to finish. So I'll see if I can finish in less time. Well, when, um, first of all, Pastor Sam asked um, both of us to... Um, preach a joint sermon in Minneapolis, and Eric was actually already scheduled to preach um, this morning in St. Paul. So we're like, why don't I just hop on while we do it in St. Paul too? And um, so we were kind of thinking about what um, sort of as we're moving on, and um, I've been part of this body for a long time, and just kind of trying to think of what's kind of a message that um, could be sort of a encouragement to you and kind of something that I've learned over the years of being part of this community and um, so just something to sort of pass on to you um, as we're moving on. So actually our message is created for community and I, I was excited about the alliteration, the C and C and Eric when he, when he heard it was alliteration he's like no let's change and I'm like too late. So, um, <laughs> so anyway um, as I said I've been part of this community for probably, I think probably like eight years, maybe seven or eight, basically since the beginning of BCFM, when we launched that, my family was part of the launching of that church plant. Um, and so this body has meant so much to me over the past years, and I've experienced so much growth being part of this community. Um, before we, my family came to BCFM, uh, we moved several times, and um, we had sort of moved um, through several churches and um, kind of through my junior high and part of my high school years. And um, I found that in a lot of the churches that we went to, when I didn't um, invest myself in the community, when I didn't involve myself, whether that was in youth group or serving in some way, I had no sense of commitment. I had no sense of responsibility to the people of the church. And um, and, and myself didn't have a, a sense of belonging either. And so when I found that when I would involve myself and get plugged into the community of whatever church you were going to at the time, um, then I really had a sense of belonging through friendships, through serving, um, 
which brought fulfillment and joy to myself, but beyond that, brought glory to God because his church was becoming unified when everyone in the body is involved. Um, And so coming to BCFM, this has been really a a family to me, and um, I've had so much spiritual growth while being here, but it's come through committing to a body of believers and in becoming connected with people and with the ministry that's going on um, within the body and reaching out to others. Um, and so through that, God is glorified. Yeah. Oftentimes, um, so growing up in Africa, it's a very different culture. But oftentimes in American culture, we don't always realize how much we need community. Um, think about the heroes that we, that we glorify in American culture. Think about Westerns, okay, Westerns especially. You got the lone gun, he rides into town, shoots all the bad guys, and rides off into the sunset by himself. So we, and, and even, you know, people talk about dogs and cats. Everybody, well, some people like dogs, but they don't really want to be like a dog. We'd prefer to be like a cat, you know, self-reliance. We don't really need anybody, you know. We, we, we can get along all by ourselves. I was actually having a conversation with one of the guys that I work with, um, well, that I worked with downtown, uh, and uh, he was the bellman at the hotel I was working at. And we were talking, and we were talking about, you know, Christianity and religion and stuff, and he said, yeah, you know, I think, I think basically the reason why people grab onto religion is they're insecure and they need a place to belong. And so that's kind of the idea that we have is, you know, if, if you're self-sufficient enough, you won't actually need a community. You won't actually need all these other people because that's, that's you know, if you're weak, then that's what you need. You, you need to become independent because if you can become independent, then, you know, you've reached the pinnacle of, of what we, in our, in our culture a lot of times, see as good, see as important. Um, but we, we need community. Uh, when, when God created the world, okay, he made everything, and again and again he said it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. And then he got to Adam, he made Adam, and he said, you know, he's good. But then Adam didn't have community. Even though he had a perfect relationship with God, right? His relationship with God was unspoiled. I, I, I mean, we talk, we, we, you know, sometimes we get, so, we get more spiritual than God. You know, we sing these songs like, all I need is you, God. All I need is you. Um, and we can become more spiritual than God. And oftentimes the church gets in trouble when we, when we try to be more spiritual than God. Because when God saw that Adam was alone, uh, in, in chapter 2 of Genesis, it says, then, God said, uh, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. So God, it's not that God had created something bad but there was something incomplete. It's as if, you know, if God had created the whole world and not put any food on the earth, he probably would have said, you know, it's not good that man should have no food because you need food to survive. You need air to survive. If you, you know, people, we, 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 do the, we do oftentimes say, God is all I need. He's everything. That's all I need. Well, stop breathing for a few minutes. And, and you know, well, you'll go see him in heaven for sure. But, you know, we, to, to, to sustain ourselves, we do need more than only our relationship with God. 
it's vital. It's so important. And, um, and even if you spend, you know, even if you spend all your time praying, reading the Bible, getting as close to God as you can, you can be fooling yourself into thinking that you're closer to God than you actually are. Uh, because then you run into a person and you find out that you've got all these issues inside of yourself. Um, we need one another. We need community. It's vital. It's a vital part of who we are, how we were created. And even a lot of times, the time that we read scripture, <clears throat> a lot of times we interpret it and we read it in a very individualistic, self-focused way. Um, and when we do that, when, when we take out the context, um, we can miss a huge part of the meaning and the beauty and the depth of what God's really trying to say. Um, most of the New Testament was written in the context of Paul and Peter and the apostles writing letters to entire church bodies, to, which were usually meant to be, um, you know, sent on to the surrounding churches in the area and read to whole groups of people, to the body of Christ as a whole. And a lot of times when we read scripture and we see all these you statements of God, you know, of messages of this is what you should do, this is what you should do, we think it's they're talking to me, to one person, to a singular you. But really, most of these passages is actually a plural you. Um, so we're going to just turn to a few, a few spots where it just talks about, like, the collective um, God talking to um, a group of people and how um, our salvation is for a body of believers, not just for one person. Um, let's just turn to 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. And this is one that I've even read, you know, I mean, and sometimes it can, like, apply to you personally, but we can't miss the context that he's talking to the body of Christ here, not just to one person. This is um, verse 16 in chapter 3. It says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. See, in this, in this passage, a lot of times, and I am guilty, I do this all the time, um, I see you and I'm like, oh, he's talking to me. And he is, but not just you, the whole body of Christ. And, and this you, in this passage, is talking to the whole church of, church of Corinth. It says, do, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? He's saying, don't, church, don't you know that this body is God's temple? Not just your physical body, but the body of believers. This group of people is God's temple. And then um, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. But if in God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. So that's just one example that God is talking to a group of people. Um, and that's where the context lies. Um, turn with me to um, 2 Corinthians 6.16. So often we view this as simply an individual and personal relationship with God, and it is personal. Um, but scripture suggests that it's more than just an individual relationship because God refers to our relationship with him in the context of pluralism. So here's a couple more examples. This is 2 Corinthians 6.16. This is the second part. For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Again, in the context of a, a plural body of Christ. Um, flip with me with just one more scripture to Titus chapter 2, verse 14. Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us 
to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Again, he didn't just come to save you and you and Eric and me. He came to save an entire people, to, to gather to himself the bride of Christ, which is um, the whole church, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, not just individuals. And sometimes we can miss that when we just are so focused on me and God, me and God, it's really us and God. The theologian and author Malcolm Smith, I read a book of his in one of my classes um, in college, and he, he said this statement. He said, we have an intensely personal relationship with, Christ, with God in Christ, but we do not have an individual relationship. It's a corporate one. So, and, and I think it is, you know, individual relationship is part of it, but we can't miss the corporateness of this relationship with God. Because um, if we lose our connection with the body of Christ, we really lose our connection with the purpose and the destiny of the kingdom of God and the bigger picture, that we're part of something that's bigger than just ourselves. Our Grandpa Rasmussen um, shared this, a passage, and we, were, we had a family reunion a month ago, and he shared this passage of scripture. This is from the message. It's at the end of Ephesians 1, and this kind of really captures sort of the purpose of the church of God and that it, it there's really a lot of value in the, the body of Christ as a whole. Um, this is at the end of Ephesians 1. If you happen to have a message translation with you, you can turn there, but I'll just read it. You guys can just listen. It says, All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from the dead and set him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but for forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. And at the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> a lot of times we see the church as something that's sort of just sitting on the sidelines. There's all this bad stuff that's going on in the world. The church is just kind of over here, kind of this weak little, you know, um, <clears throat> presence in the world, maybe not even that. But this passage of scripture suggests that there's a spiritual reality that the world is not the main thing here. The church is the main thing, and the world is, you know, surrounding the church, but the world is in the context of the church. The church isn't in the context of, of a world. And so when we, when we miss that, um, <clears throat> the importance of the body of Christ and of the church, we can kind of, I guess, miss the, the destiny that we have as a body. Um, and so because of that, if you're not involved in a church body, if you're not connected with the church, if you're thinking so individualistic that you're not, you know, you don't need a community, um, you can really miss out on, you can sit yourself on the sideline of what God's actually doing in the world, how he's using the church to reach the nations and change the world for his glory. And, um, and a lot of people have been hurt by the church. Um, it's, you know, it's, there's probably a lot of people in this room that have actually been hurt by members of the church and maybe have had hard feelings towards um, 
church in general. Um, and But we can't give up on the church because it is Christ's vehicle to reach the world. It is, I believe, the primary vehicle in which he is reaching the world for him. Um, and so we can't leave the bride behind and think that we can go it alone, that we can do it on our own, but we need to connect ourselves with the body of Christ. Um, and so I would encourage you to think about how are you connected, and maybe a lot of you, um, I, I think in this, in this body, a lot of people are involved in a lot of things and are serving in many ways. Um, I would just encourage you to think about how are you involved? How are you connected in the body? And um, how are you becoming a part of what God's doing in the world through the church? Um, yeah. And, and so, like, so often we think of our, our relationship with God very individualistically. I even, you know, you, even when you're in youth group and you hear girls saying, I'm, you know, Jesus is my boyfriend. And it's like, no, you are not the bride of Christ, Okay. <laughs> You individually are not the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ, which is kind of a comforting thought if you're a male. Um, <laughs> so I used to struggle with that a lot. I'd be like, I am not putting on a dress. It's just not going to happen. But, but when we think of it as the church, we as a group are the bride of Christ. We collectively are the bride of Christ, and the church is going to stand before him. And that's so... That's so that passage has just been just been rocking my world over and over again. The fact that the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is the main thing. And if you're not in if you're not if you're standing on the sidelines of the church, then you're not in the mainstream of what God is doing in the world. That's so powerful. Um, how can we make the community more like Christ? You know, this this, this personal relationship, this corporate relationship, it's a call to everyone. Uh, um, like we heard earlier, it's, there, there isn't an us and them. Okay? There's not those on the outside and those on the inside. There's this, Jesus has issued this, this collective call, this inclusive call. Come, come to me. How can we make our body more inviting? How can we make our, our church more inviting? Um, how can we help others get connected into the life-giving community of the body of Christ? How can we draw others in? If, if you know someone who's on the sidelines, maybe there's a way that you can draw them in, draw them closer. And, and like I said, we need this. This isn't, it's not just some nice idea, oh yeah, it'd be nice to have a community. We need it. Um, I remember one time, back when I was about 15, when, when uh, my brother and I, we first started doing work amongst unreached people groups. We were out on a research trip. My brother got sick, had to go back to Kigoma. He was puking his guts out. So, we, so I put him in a, we put him in a, in a, um, on a bus and sent him back home. And uh, me and this other guy, Michael, were continuing on. I was a skinny little 15-year-old. And, um, and we were riding along on our bicycles, and we came to this hill. Now, mind you, we are packed for weeks and weeks of travel. So, I mean, we have water, we have baggage, we've got food. We're carrying all of this stuff on our bicycles. And we're trying to go up this hill. And this hill was steep. I mean, it was 
a steep hill, okay? Very steep. Um, like, maybe like this, you know? It was <laughs> maybe, maybe more. It, you know, it was so steep. It was I was practically walking upside down. But anyway, <laughs> we're walking, and it was hard. And me, I, I, was not very, I was not strong enough to push my bike up this hill anymore. I'm pushing and pushing, and I would get to this point. I got to this point where I was pushing, and I stopped. I couldn't go any further. And my legs are shaking, my arms are shaking, everything's shaking. And I, would, I, would, I tried to go, and I started going backwards a little bit. And Michael, was about, he was like 18 or 20 at the time, came up behind me, grabbed the back of my bicycle, and just pushed it up the hill. And so he pushes me, and I, I would go like maybe 10, 15 feet, and then I'd stop again, and I'm shaking again, and I can't go any further. And he'd come along, and he'd grab the back of the bicycle and push me up the hill again. And that's kind of a picture of the body of Christ. You know, some of us were struggling through things that we were not meant to struggle with on our own. You know, you've got some besetting sin that you just can't seem to get over. Maybe you alone were not meant to get over it. True, there's a part of us that we have to own it. We have to say, no, this is my problem. This is a problem. This is my problem, but I need help. I need help. I need someone to come alongside of me and help me get through this. And that's the beauty of the church. You see, it's not the insecure person who, who needs community, right? It takes incredible courage to be vulnerable in a community. If you're insecure, it's easy to stay on the outside, you know? We have lots of things to hide. We put up walls. We hide behind our walls, and we don't want anyone to get in. And it takes no courage to stay on the outside. But it takes a lot of courage to admit, I am weak. I have a problem. I need help. There's an old African proverb that says, cross the river in a crowd, and the crocodiles won't get you. At least it increases your chances. But, <laughs> but if you cross the river in a crowd, the crocodiles get confused, and it's a lot harder for them to pick one off if there's a whole crowd of people moving together like one big animal. In the same way, you know, if you go through life on your own, you are a sitting target, and the devil will pick you off. And he's looking for separated people. He's looking for people who are separated. But if you are in the church, if you are wor working together in the church, living, actually living in community, not just coming on Sunday morning for two hours and then going home and then coming back on Sunday morning for two hours, you need more than just teaching. You need community. You need family. So I, we would encourage you, our, our message to you guys is just connect. We were created for community, okay? We were made for togetherness. We were made for this. When God saw Adam was alone, he said, that's not good. If you are, on, if you are living a, a, a life alone, that's not good. I'm not saying you need to go out and get married. I'm saying you need community. You need people in your life. You can't do it on your own. We need this. Let us pray. <laughs> she actually wrote lettuce, like salad lettuce. <laughs> A little comic relief at the end of the sermon. <laughs> oh. 
God, we are so grateful that not only did you save us individually, you saved us as a people. You are creating for yourself a new people out of Jews and Gentiles, people from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation who are going through life together, going through messy, messy situations. God, members stumbling, members falling, members struggling, but God, together, together we're, we're continuing on towards the goal of what you have for us. We are on a journey as a community, on a journey as a, as a group. God, I thank you for this body. I thank you for what you are doing here. I thank you for the, the plans that you have for each individual within this congregation. Lord, I, God, I just pray blessing over them. Lord, I pray that your blessing would remain, that your presence would cover that you would be drawing more and more people into this family, God. God, I pray for those who, are, who have been attending but haven't been connected, God. God, help them to find their place. Help them to find their niche. Find where they belong in this community. And God, I pray for those who are already in. Lord, help us not to become introspective where we, we only are focused on what we can get out of this community, but help us to be, help us to be building others up. Help us to be drawing other people to you, God. God, thank you for the church. Thank you for the awesome force of nature, the supernatural force that is the church within this world. Lord, I pray that you would continue to build it. I pray that you would be breaking down strongholds. I pray that you would be um, just increasing growth in every area. Lord, I thank you for the, 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 the radical revivals that are happening on, all over the world amongst Islamic populations, Buddhist populations, Hindu populations. Lord, I pray that you would continue to grow your church. God, fill us with passion and fire. And Lord... Oh, Jesus, just continue to do what you are already doing. Thank you, Lord. In your name, amen. Open both hands to receive God's benediction. God, our Father, we call you our Father because we belong to your family. As we are here today, thank you for your message just came to us that we need each other. As we live here, Jesus, we need the same vision, same calling, and inspiration. As we need each other, we need our neighbors, we need our friends, we need our relatives, we need those even we doesn't know. Help us as we go out to make many as your disciples. Help us to make many to be part of your family. Because those who belong to your family are one of your children. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all 
go in peace, make disciples in Jesus' name. Amen.